Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who think true grit starts at 220. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. What's happening, everybody? It's show number 551, and on today's show, we're talking about raised panels by hand. Oh, God, that just sounds awful. Who would want to do that? Electronics in the shop and selling a tree. But before we get to that, we want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler's been helping customers. I'm not ready for this. (laughs) It's here, baby. You better be ready. Rockler's been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler's giving away a $250 gift card to one lucky Wood Talk listener. Enter for your chance to win before May 31st at rockler.com slash woodtalk. I feel like it's been a while since we recorded a show. A little too long. But maybe it hasn't. But it feels like it's been a while. No, it's been a while. We we we, we okay, had a little well, week of buffer not, that we ate me. up. We ate up that week. Okay. I feel really out of practice right now. But just well, keep talking. Recorded, recorded it was super late, with. and we got like slap happy because it was so late. <laughs> so like that was that could have been a dream. Yeah. That last recording it, session. Those last so, yeah. two quite shows. Quite the fever dream, that's for sure. Those last two shows <laughs> were a mess. Sorry to everyone who had to listen to that. It is what it is. Well, if you want to help support the show and maybe get something more sane than last time you can do so by going to patreon.com slash woodtalk and signing up to become a patron of the show this time we're thanking matt's crotch fan club <laughs> eric bloom <laughs> timothy kramer valentin herbach and tony hung oh yeah what's the uh, right. what's the membership count in matt's crotch fan club i don't know i i haven't been going to the meeting you should you should attend <laughs> clearly they're fans as, as the president, as the president's right behind you, isn't isn't she? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yes, she is. <laughs> she, she's actually <laughs> answering emails. Read off the minutes of the last meeting. <laughs> yeah, she's working on it right now. Working on the website. Okay, so it's time for what's on the bench. It actually has been a while, so this always gets a little bit more fun when there's been some time passing between the shows. Uh, for me, there's actually not that much to update because I've been very busy with domestic things. My sideboard project just won't end. It's just one of those projects that is 
Um, I'm sure you guys have had this. It's the unfortunate victim of timing where there are just other priorities, other things going on, keeps pulling me away and the momentum gets completely sucked out of the project. And now it's a slog to the finish line. I mean, it doesn't happen all the time. In the room behind me, I got one of those over in the corner of the shop. <laughs> yeah, and another one sitting on top of the planer. Yep, definitely. Yeah, it's not an ideal <laughs> circumstance. I don't. I mean, it's a project that deserves the time and attention, and I really was into the details that we were putting into it. But now I'm really just ready to be done with it. So, uh, just slogging away at that, and hopefully we'll finish it. I really do want to finish it this week because I got some big projects that I'm um, trying to do at home. Um, Nicole's walk-in closet the um the wire shelves fell off the wall twice and (laughs) i would like to remedy that for her um she's uh since we moved she's been asking for uh, a closet upgrade i've never done anything like that um you know so that sounds like a fun little project to tackle so that'll be the next thing i get into that actually sounds very like cathartic yeah maybe i'm a little ocd but like storage solutions make me happy yeah, like I mean, even if I don't have a whole lot to store, like just, yeah. just the fact that I have the potential. You have to 14 store cubbies for shoes and only two pair. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, it just, ah, there's something very, I don't know. Yeah. Relaxing about knowing that I'm building future storage. I like yeah, that. Yeah, it is. And I mean, we do that for the shop all the time, right? That's one of the things that makes yeah. shop projects so popular. We like to have that sensation of like, you feel like you've been, you know, a little more organized now. Yeah, that's actually because once I finally got my, finally optimized my wood shop, then it was like, okay, well, let's build a bike mechanic shop. (laughs) And that's an instance where like, you know, I got plenty of tools (laughs) in my wood shop, but I have like six tools for bikes. So I'm like still building that. And it's like, so I've got like all this storage and just a lot of empty space. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm optimized for the future, but boy, does it look great. No tools in there. (laughs) Right. (laughs) All right, Shannon, what do you got going on? I, um... Longtime listener, fan, a wonderful gentleman named Ron sent me a boatload of veneer um, to the point where, like, you guys might remember, I built um, storage for my veneer. It keeps it laid flat Mm -hmm. and it slides, Mm kind of rolls right underneath my Rubeau. So it's like the perfect storage. You couldn't put anything else there, but it keeps it all nice and flat. You know, the the, the really curly figured stuff is kind of pressed flat. And the top closes down and latches. So it's kind of, it's literally a veneer press, keeps everything nice and controlled. But now it just won't press anymore. It's like, it's like the suitcase with like, you know, way too many souvenirs <laughs> in it. And you're sitting on it trying to zip it shut. Yeah. So I can, I can lash the lid, but it, it'll slide about halfway under the Rubo and then it just wedges in place because there's so much veneer in there. But um, the reason I bring this up is I fortunately started developing a, a, a new semester in the Angel School on veneering. Um, not about marquetry. I've been playing around with that, but I'm not ready to quite build how to do marquetry. I don't consider myself quite good enough at it yet, but the whole idea of veneering in general. So this was kind of perfect timing. I now have huge amounts of veneer. I've got veneer coming out my ears at this point, but the real reason I bring this up is it just kind of reminding me, this could be a dining table topic for the future, I suppose, but like, this is the gentleman who, you know, he's certainly not giving up woodworking, but he's in advanced years and has just realized you know, I have too much wood for the future. Like there's no way I'll be able to use all this veneer. <laughs> so I want to pass it along <laughs> to somebody else. And yeah. I just think that's really cool because, you know, for better or for worse, like there's so many of like my luminaries, my heroes in woodworking that fortunately they're still with us, but they they retired. Like they're not really doing anything anymore. They're just kind of enjoying their retirement. 
And it's like, you know, can you imagine like the, the wood supply and the tools that some of these guys have? And hopefully, you know, you don't want to wish that, you know, you don't want to hurry up to wish their demise. But <laughs> when that time comes, frankly, before that time comes, they will have kind of selected somebody to kind of pass it down to. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I just I kind of like that idea because I, I mean, I look around my wood stash is enormous and I don't know, especially the way I've been buying lumber lately. Like when I build a project, I'm like, well, I've got lumber, but I should go buy fresh boards for this project <laughs> for right? some strange reason. Fresh. So there's going to be a time when it's like, you know, I want to be able to, to pass down not just the woodworking knowledge, but like the woodworking media. Um, yeah. I've got wood that I've held on for a long time. Um, yeah, sorry, that's a show title right there. Holding on to your wood. Um, <laughs> yeah, I heard it. Is it choking you? Figured. I saw. I saw Mark's eyes, and I was like, "Yep, that's a show title right there." Uh, but time. anyway, um, <laughs> little glimmer. In Ron, eye, look for it. <laughs> Ron, you know who you are. Thank you for the veneer. I, I promise to put it to good use and try to use maybe half of it. Um, there's so much that I don't know that I'll get through more than half of it. But it was just kind of one of those heartwarming moments. And yeah. there's my there's my moral of the story. Awesome, man. That's very cool. Matt, speaking of people who have more wood that they can use in a lifetime. Yeah, who wants my wood? Who wants my friend? <laughs> you got kids. <laughs> Somebody will take it. Yeah. Yeah, great. Have a big bonfire. <laughs> yeah. It's what I need. Crotch fire. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I just finished sanding the uh, the floor I installed, which was very thrilling and very exciting. It's it's always kind of like weird when you, you get into like floor sanding as a furniture maker. Mm -hmm. You're like, I finished sanding at 120, which is like really, really high grit for floors. Right. And that's normally what I would probably start at. Right. <laughs> on a piece of furniture. So that's very bizarre. Just that, that kind of like mentality of like, oh, we're going to rub rocks all over the floor, mm -hmm. which I would never do normally. Yeah. Just swing a few center then, blocks around. That'll be smooth enough. Just, mm -hmm. <laughs> go for it it's just, it's just so weird that like the the finish level it's the surface finish of it it's just it's just like a weird thought about it but the more i think about it it's like there's also this other opposing thing with like floor sanding and furniture sanding with, with like an orbital sander and that is with the orbital sander they, we always say like you know don't push the sander down don't add any extra pressures let the sander do its work well with the floor sanders they're like 120 pounds <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. And they have like the surface pressure of like you like putting a small child on top of an orbital sander and run that around your piece of wood. Yeah. So it's almost like you're almost not really cutting so much because the paper doesn't cut for very long. It's like you get like three minutes of actually cutting on the paper and then you start burnishing after that. So I think that's why it seems like you can sand to such a low grip and call it good enough because you're almost burnishing at a point and that starts at a lower grit. Mm-hmm. Very weird. Interesting. I had a lot of time to think. Yeah. Well, I mean, have you gotten <laughs> right. down? I mean, not to be goofy about it, but have you gotten down like on your hands and knees to look at the surface, you know, just as if you were doing a piece of furniture, you're looking for swirlies and, you know, what kind of surface imperfections might be there? Have yes. you looked at it closely? Yeah. So I did, I did the final sanding at 120 with an orbital, the whole floor uh, with a hard pad. So I could mostly, so I can be down there and actually see everything. Because mm -hmm. like, I thought it was pretty good when I got done with the buffer at 100 grit, but then I got down there and I'm like, oh, there's some spots that were missed or some cross green scratches. I don't want any of that. One of the things that's sort of fighting me with this whole thing is the room itself. We have that east wall, that, which is almost all windows. Mm -hmm. 
So in the morning, we have this crazy, this beautiful raking light that comes all the way across the whole room. But it's super raking. <laughs> it's helping you. And it will show you literally everything. Doing you a favor. Which is, which is good because <laughs> after I'm done standing for the day, I'm like, oh, this looks pretty good. And I come down the next morning, I'm like, what the hell? You <laughs> see everything you missed. How, how, all the things I missed. Yeah. So that's been interesting. I honestly too. think that's why hand scraped floors became a popular thing. Because it's just lean into it. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. all those undulations, all those scratches, everything, you mm -hmm. know. Um, yeah, we actually just ran an order. Um, ironically, this was the ceiling, but you know, the, the hand scraped <laughs> molder blade, um, uh -huh. <laughs> that runs a couple of thousand feet per minute through the molder, but you know, it's just Jeez. random like scoops that just like scalloping these, patterns. Yeah. And you, you line <laughs> the different heads. There are three different heads cutting it so that they get truly random setups. And it's like, yeah, like if you look at that on a raking light, it looks like you just, you know, set your kids loose in a snowmobile, <laughs> yeah. you know, in that room. Yeah. But, you know, then it, hey, that was done on purpose. It's hand scraped. It's artisanal. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah. Phone worked hard on that. Awesome. So what's the next stage? Are you going to stain or just going with a clear finish? So that, that's another thing that I went down this interesting road with, uh, with the finishing. Um, so last time I did a floor, I used an oil-based or I guess a solvent-based finish, a uh, acid cure finish. Mm -hmm. And that was super ridiculously durable, but it does amber and it does have a crazy amount of off-gassing. So this time we wanted to keep the floor a little more of a natural kind of color. So I went looking at water base and then like the flooring world is its own like magical place of things <laughs> that you would never think exist too, <laughs> by the way. So there's... Yeah, the the line that I'm using from Bona, they have a seal coat product that you can get in five different shades, mm -hmm. all the way from like amber to whitewash. So you, you, you kind of pick whatever color you want. So I'm going like almost. I'm going with a natural, I guess n natural <laughs> uh, finish with a little bit of white pigment in it, so it kind of shifts more to like raw wood kind of look without right. going to full whitewash. Yeah, it's weird yeah isn't that like i find flooring and then also decking products where you would think yes these are finishes they only there's only so many variations of what they could be putting in these cans but it is truly the the marketing language that's used the uh, oh, yeah. obscurity about what the product actually is and how to apply it properly when you go into those other areas it is completely obscured and it's so hard to transfer that finishing knowledge from from furniture into those worlds. Um, I find the there's, same problem. There's, and there's, because yeah. it's a trade thing, it's very difficult to find that kind of like specific product information yeah. because it's like, okay, you're going to come to our training program and learn how to apply <laughs> our finishes. Yeah. I'm like, I'm some guy in a house. I don't need, I don't want to do that. <laughs> right. I just want to learn right. how to do this my own thing real quick. So fortunately But let for me, me tell you, Matt, how valuable those industry certifications are. As uh, I'm not uh, sure as, they're perfectly valuable. I have, I have many of those seminars under my belt. And let yeah. me just tell you how much more I make a year because of it. Mm, they're better than nurse, nurses' degrees, I can tell you that much. Oh. That was a throwback. Mark, Mark S said that. Send your complaints I to I did Shannon. not say that. I did not say that. Oh. 
I have, I have many nurses <laughs> high-fiving me on Peloton daily. I told, I've, we I've we already discussed this. Leaf. It's not a high-five that they're sending you. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> it's a single-finger high-five. Yes, single-finger high-five, yes. That's uh, great. Oh, man, that's awesome. Well, cool. I want to hear more about the finishing stuff, too, because I'm, I'm always intrigued by that. Um, the differences between the industries like that. All right. We got some kickback here. Shannon, this sounds like it's going to be a big <laughs> one. What do you got for <laughs> well, us? I'll, I'll, I, it, honestly, it shouldn't be that much. But okay, good. let me just say thank you to everybody. Um, we talked about um, my shaft having problems. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't clamping properly. <laughs> at that age. And um the number of people, first of all, like, let's just say, let's just put a round number. Let's say a hundred people got back to me and that's probably not far off. <laughs> um, but I would say two thirds of those were like actual experts. Like, instead of just like, well, I read Schwarz said this, you know, these were like, well, I've been a metallurgist for 45 years and I'm a professional blacksmith for the last 38 years. Things like that, like really, really solid um, advice. I got all kinds of advice. Ultimately, it comes down to a work hardening situation for my holdfast. So just in case you just picked up on this episode and first time you've heard this show, I had a problem with my holdfast where they weren't clamping. I would hit them and they would spring back and they wouldn't clamp in place. So what I think, and this is the true irony, is because these holdfasts are bespoke, artisanal, um, handcrafted, um, the uh, blacksmith had left, you know, when you first heat up, the the hold fast you get that kind of black it's actually known as scale um and a lot of times you'll knock the scale off because the scale can interfere with uh um welding to other surfaces and things like that it also is a harder material the scale i don't know how much harder but it's from what i understand significantly harder than the steel that's underneath it like scales on a fish So most people will knock that off, but it does kind of look cool. It looks artsy. And this blacksmith, I don't think was anything intentional. He just thought this looks cool. He left it on. Well, over the last like almost 15 years, maybe 12 years, whatever, more than 10 years, I've been using those holdfasts extensively, like every time I enter my shop. So you think of it as they've got kind of a a, a malleable core in that holdfast shaft with a hard outer collar, almost like case hardening wood, that is preventing that uh, shaft from flexing properly. So, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. We had this problem the first time we talked about this. So I had a lot of people who basically- Everything you say is an innuendo. Yeah. 100%. Well, that's, that's really no different than my normal life from day yeah. to day. And we already it's, used it's that for a talk. title. We can't even use it anymore. You're just wasting right, it now. Right. So, <laughs> Long story short, I got some great advice about work hardening. I learned more about metallurgy and work hardening than I could ever uh, possibly want in my life. But now I'm full of fancy cocktail uh, conversation at this point. So I I did sand the hold fast and try to like rough them up and make them work, but it wasn't working. So I went like hardcore. I went like nuclear option on this. I have a random orbit sander. Um, used for home improvement stuff. I pulled that thing out, put like 60 grit, you know, the, the, the super, super high grit or low grit, I should say stuff that came with the festool sander that I've never used like Gratina or that's a cheese, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I used that pad and I like went to town to the point where I was worried I'd ruined it, but I figured they're not working now. Like I brought up a polish on these things. It was polished as a low grit paper can do and work like a charm. 
Like huh. I remove that outer scale that was that kind of hard case hardening on the outside of it. And they work absolutely perfectly. And it's now been, it's been more than a month since we recorded that episode. And again, using them constantly. And it's one of those things where a stern look and they set immediately. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like in an effort mm. to be artsy and old timey wrought blacksmithy, that scale that was left on it was actually kind of a problem. That was, that was it. So the steel underneath it was fine. But I guess the moral of the story is, is work hardening is a very real thing. And eventually, if you use your hold fast long enough, they will probably work harden. I think mm. what caused mine to work harden as fast as they did was that super, super, super hard material that normally wouldn't be left on the outside. Or if it was left on the outside in like a wrought iron type material, it's not, it's not going undergoing dynamic stresses like you are when you whack and set, set that um, hold fast. So there's the answer. So thank you to the 60 odd people who had really, really good advice. What do you know? Yeah. This, this, this platform actually works. Well, what do you know? <laughs> wow. Awesome. <laughs> Worked out well. well so news. thank you everybody. It was really cool. I'm going to try to find some other cool problems that I can just outsource to our listener base. It's yeah. great. Cool. Well, Hey, you guys know who else has gifts for mother's day? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, your local blacksmith? (laughs) Uh, Maybe. I don't know. What the hell? (laughs) Well, whether you're looking for gifts for Mother's Day, Father's Day, graduates, or birthdays, Rockler has your back. Rockler's gift guide includes all of the tools and supplies you need to give or make gifts for your friends and family. Looking for gift-making ideas? Rockler's handmade gift guide includes over 100 free plans and project ideas to help you make the perfect gift with your own two hands. If you don't have time to make something, these guys, those little guys, yeah. <laughs> Look through Rockler's gift giving guide to find the latest woodworking tool or accessory for that woodworker in your life. Find links in our show notes for this particular show, or you can just visit rockler.com and you could look right there on the homepage and they've got all the info you need. Handmade gifts or their gift guide. Both are going to be there for you. So check them out. Yay, Rockler. Yeah, Rockler. All right. We got questions, don't we? We do. Okay. I think I got a voicemail loaded here. Yeah, I do. Okay. So I got a question here from Nathan with uh, regard to electronics in the shop. Hello, Mark, Shannon, and Matt. This is Nathan calling in from Arizona. Had a question for you in regards to having electronics in the garage. I'm a hobbyist woodworker and I have a third car garage that I basically is my wood shop and I want to put a TV in there. Uh, the problem is a long time ago, I had a boom box and I uh, blew out the garage with a leaf blower and I feel like the static electricity or the dust or something uh, shorted out that boom box. So if I put a you know more expensive electronic in there, like a TV, I'm worried that static electricity or the dust or something might be an issue. So I'm asking what is the best way to have a a television or a monitor in the garage or in your workshop and have it be protected from sawdust as well as the highly efficient leaf blower method of uh, cleaning out your workshop? Thanks, and I really appreciate uh, what you guys are doing. Cool. Thanks, Nathan. Mark invented that, didn't he? The leaf blower method? I thought you were going to say the the boom box. I invented that. No, (laughs) kudos. The over the shoulder one where you break dance with it on. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. (laughs) Cardboard under the other arm. So you you can. Wearing some parachute pants. Yeah, I did. Ready to go at all times. I, I, I did actually invent the leaf blower method for cleaning your shop. 
All right. So here's the thing. It isn't like it was back then. Back then, I think we probably had a little more of a legit concern with this stuff. And the only reason I don't want to promote the whole idea of disposable electronics, but have you looked at the price of TVs lately? Right. Right. We go through this. There's been times in the past where I've wanted a TV outside just on the patio or something so I could be cooking and watch a game or whatever. And there are outdoor TVs that are rated for potential water exposure. They're sealed off better from the elements and they are thousands and thousands of dollars. You would have to probably buy 20 regular price TVs to get to the price of that other TV, which if you have that time frame, the amount of time it would take you to go through that many TVs, the technology has changed and you probably would want a new TV anyway. So I don't know that I see TVs as, and again, maybe this is just a budget thing. If he's being, you know, super frugal about this and wants a TV to last as long as possible, that's why he would be concerned. Now that said, even still with TVs being as cheap as they are, I've almost always had a TV in the shop. I've never had one break due to just general shop activities and dust. The best defense for that is to keep your shop clean, use good dust collection, have an air cleaner, um, you know, for when you're not there, just to run that, keep that air getting filtered and then just do your blow offs, like blow everything out and then make sure you hit the TV too. hit it from a distance. You can even get your compressed air. You're not going to get right up on the vents, but kind of, you know, get at least 12 inches away after you're done with that shop cleaning. A lot of times the dust settles in a place you're not really thinking about it. And behind that TV might be one of those places. Give it a quick blast of uh, air and just make sure you don't uh, have any dust that's settled into that television. And it's probably going to be fine. I mean, spend a couple hundred bucks on a TV. I can't guarantee it's going to last forever. But I just from my own personal experience, I can tell you it's probably going to be just fine. I can tell you from especially from the static on the front. Um by 720p because it'll be cloudy anyway. <laughs> it's not going to make a difference. So, like 1080 and certainly 4K is not going to look that way Man. because it's just the final dust on the front. Can you even so find you a 720 find, TV well, anymore? That's just what I was going to say. If you can still find one, I have one in the corner of my shop. It was $64. It's a 36 inch 720p. And of course now it's five years old, so you mm-hmm. probably can't find them anymore. But you know, at this point, the they're 4K, probably paying so 1080 you at to this point. <laughs> Yeah, right, right. I mean, if you look on Amazon, they might have some. I mean, you can look at brands, Insignia, TCL. uh, You could find the good thing about TVs. The one, these generally speaking are going to have, actually, I like them because they either have like a fire stick built in or you can get Roku built in. So you don't even have to have an additional set top device there. It's just you could use the, the stuff inside. I don't usually like unless it's one of those brands. I don't usually like the TV menus that are built into TVs. Uh, but those can be pretty good for like a one-stop shop sort of thing. Yeah. And these, I'm looking at the 720. If you can get these, you know how Amazon will show you stuff that you actually can't buy. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm looking at some of the prices here. My favorite thing. A couple TVs here, like 129 bucks for 32, 39 inch TVs. And they're that 720p. And you're absolutely right. You, yeah. don't, you don't really need, you know, 1080p or 4k yeah. inside a shop. Honestly, some of the 4K stuff that's on my like regular TV kind of freaks me out. <laughs> like watching old John Hughes movies in 4K is like, no, sorry. Pretty in pink does not work at this resolution. <laughs> yeah. It's just very weird. It can look weird. <laughs> that's for sure. Get out of my living room, Molly Ringwald. Stop it. <laughs> anyway. All right. Um, let's uh let's move on. This is from Alex. He says, How would you make an OG raised panel with hand tools or Mark or, mm, or- a table saw? Okay. Um, or good. I like that. I have a wooden raised panel plane, a regular one, not an OG 
Do they even make those? Uh, I also have a Stanley 55 with most of the hollows and rounds cutters. So I think the the answer to this, whether you went all hand tool or a, a hybrid approach, and whether you were looking at like a traditional method, like they would do at Colonial Williamsburg um, or not, it, it's a, it's kind of a hybridized approach. So if you're going to go the whole hand method, um, you could use your standard panel razor that's just going to create that flat bevel. Um, and that's kind of your starting point. And then you shape that flat bevel into an OG. And the best way to do that, honestly, you could do something as simple as a gouge just to kind of hog out that that hollow in, in the OG. Um, ultimately, you're going to want to create some kind of a scratch stock. So grab yourself a card scraper and shape the profile that you want. I wouldn't recommend creating the OG profile with the card scraper or the scratch stock. Same thing. You could, but that's just a whole lot like work. Um, something like a gouge uh, to kind of hog out the, the bulk of the material, or you've got that Stanley 55 with hollow cutters. You could set up the fence so that it's repeatable and consistent and kind of hollow that section out. And then ultimately you come back with your scratch stock that is in the final shape that you want. And you finesse that profile on all four sides of that raised panel. So it unifies any facets you may have created. It just creates a more cohesive profile. You could do the same thing using your table saw. Um, you know, or a router table, you could rough in that shape. But if you need it to be a little bit deeper, maybe you have a router table, but you don't have one of those big giant shaper looking scary bits. Um, you could get kind of close with like a cove bit or a variety of bits in order to hog out some of the material, come back with a scratch stock. And that scratch stock will will clean everything up, unify everything and make it look um, really nice. And that's honestly, I've seen this done um, at Colonial Williamsburg and they use a scratch stock. They use a gouge with you know, on a mallet to rough it into shape and then clean the whole thing up with the scratch stock. Super easy. Very nice. Sounds terrible, but Hey, <laughs> however you want to spend your time, <laughs> it's your time. Wow. Uh, what do you got, that Matt? Sounds terrible. I don't know. I got nothing. probably a wood question, huh? Probably. Yeah. And I forgot to put the person's name in here. So yeah. Who cares? Oops. <laughs> Probably a patron, <laughs> but who cares? You know who you are if you ask this <laughs> question. Would he even notice? Uh, oh. It's probably a Matt Crotch fan club member too. Probably. Actually, yes. It seems like it. <laughs> All right. This person who shall remain nameless. I have a friend that has a maple tree in her backyard and asked me if the price of the tree for a sama will be enough to help with the tree removal, removal cost. Do you have any idea... If it is possible, the tree trunk is about four feet wide by eight feet tall and splits into about eight branches, about 30 inches by 30 feet. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the, the short answer is no. That's a pretty substantial tree. The removal cost on that, I mean, I don't know how much it is exactly where you're at and everything, but we're probably looking at a couple thousand at least for that removal. If it's in a more tricky spot, like, you know, over your house or something, it's probably going to cost even more to remove it. Um, and the actual value of that tree, this thing is a crotch monster. So it's got, it's basically got no straight grain trunk to it. If it has eight crotches or yeah, eight crotches. So yeah, it's probably not really that valuable to most mills anyway. And it's a yard tree. So most traditional mills aren't interested either. And it's only one tree. So much larger mills aren't going to be interested. So you look at it like actually selling the wood from it. Maybe you'd be looking at maybe 25 to 50 cents a board feet, a board foot. So if you got like five to 600 board feet there, you got $200 worth of wood. That's if you actually loaded it onto this person's 
whoever's buying its vehicle for them. So consider it more of a loading fee than a cost of actually buying the tree from your friend. Hmm. So generally, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those things where you do the mar- like the marketplace ads, right? And you see somebody yes. has a down tree and it's like $10,000. <laughs> I know what I've got. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, right. Do you know? Sure you do. There was a fantastic post on, sorry, I'm trying to look on my phone and having no success on Instagram from one of the the guys that my, my lumber update account follows. And it's just one of the many Sawyers, which is why I can't find it now. Cause I follow like a hundred of them on there, <laughs> but he actually did an itemized breakdown of what it actually costs him. And it was really eye-opening. And this was lumber that he was selling for boards. He was actually sawing it and he did sell it. Um, and he was like, you know, I made like a hundred dollars on that. And this was after selling all the boards and it's things like, you know, the gasoline to power the wood miser, the gasoline mm-hmm. to power the truck to pull oh, the sure. wood miser yeah. there. Um, the, and it didn't include time. This was purely materials. Yikes. Um, and, and, you know, one, one log and it was something high valued like walnut. He made like $800 on the log, which was like, mm-hmm. that's like going to be the best profit I've made all year long, you know? And it, this is not like, the, it's very, very hard to make the money on this, you know? And sometimes the, the turn rate or the, like Matt said, because it's got eight crotches, somebody will love that, you know, but how long are you going to hold on to that board before that somebody finally, Find that one finally comes and buys it? Your yeah. market is now like this tiny little sliver. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. There's so many other things like the overhead of having to carry the insurance because you're going to someone else's property. Um, yeah. all of that stuff. It's amazing how much it goes into costing it. I just, right. I love this. I actually had an interview recently with a sawmill and they said, you know, we had to put up a form that disqualifies people because there were so many people saying, well, Hey, come out and remove my tree. And you know, you can have the log for free. And like, they got so tired of people getting mad at them because they would like pick up the phone and say, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to charge for that. How dare you charge me? I'm giving you the log for free. <laughs> so they now just like forward people to this URL and say, fill out this form and filter them yeah, out a bit. The way it goes. Jeez. Basically, yeah. Wow. Good stuff. Sorry, Matt. I jumped all over your question there. My bad. That's okay. I think I'll add one more thing with this. If you start looking at like log prices, you're looking at the comparison of a log, like in a, in a log yard where you go shopping for them. There's like 8,000 logs sitting there and you can pick what you want. Mm-hmm. And you're going to start comparing that price that you would pay over there to what you could possibly get for this tree. What you have to keep in mind is that that log yard is valuable because all the stuff's there already. You can pick whatever you want and they'll put it on your trailer for you. Yeah. There's, that's what, that's why that has value. Mm-hmm. Good point. Interesting. Hmm. Oh, very cool. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us guys. Uh, family owned since oh, yeah. 1954. Rockler's your go-to source for high quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com and use the code WOODTALK, that's one word, to receive free shipping on most orders over $49. And remember to head to rockler.com slash woodtalk to enter for your chance to win a $250 gift card. Woohoo, Rockler. See, this is what happens when I plug something into the show notes and says, Shannon's going to talk about this in this segment. Mm -hmm. Mark and Matt basically just like sit back. And when I actually don't talk people's ears bloody, we end up with a 30 minute show. So look at that. (laughs) See that? You're welcome, everybody. (laughs) All of you with average commutes, you're welcome today. You don't have to carry it over. So please keep sending us questions. Thanks for all the support on the Holdfast issue. I'll try to find something else to ignite the community and unify them together. So send them. 
over to woodtalkshow.com. You can fill out the form there or you can email us at woodtalkshow at gmail.com or just submit your inquiries via Instagram. We are woodtalkshow there as well. Mm -hmm. Thank you for your support. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. And we will catch you next time. Goodbye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.